After his resurrection from the dead, Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our confession says that the sacrament should not be neglected. Yet it also says the efficacy of baptism is not tied to the moment wherein it is administered. Its effectiveness is not bound by time, but by the working of God, the Holy Spirit, through God's appointed time according to his holy will. Ellie Kate has believed in Jesus for quite some time, but she is now fulfilling her covenant obligation, and we praise God that he has brought her to himself. She is now receiving the sign of all of his covenant promises that through the washing of water, which represents his blood shed for her, that you are now included into the people of God and he will never let you go. You have been drawn to your Savior. This is a sign of his faithfulness to you that he will be your God forever, and he will never abandon you. As we see in the movie Toy Story, Woody wrote, or Andy wrote on Woody's foot that he belonged to him. This morning in baptism, God the Father is writing his name upon you. You are his beloved daughter. He will never cast you out. When we baptize in the name of the Father, he witnesses and seals upon us all that he offers us in Christ. When we are baptized in the name of the Son, he promises to sustain us, uniting us to himself that he is our peace, he is our redeemer, he is our victor, he is the greater, the second Adam, and through his death and resurrection, you have all that you need for salvation in him. And he has called you to walk according to his promises. When we baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit, he assures us that he lives and dwells inside of us, that he is joining us up into his temple of God, and he is sanctifying us, continually drawing us back to the promises of the gospel. And he is preparing us for glory. This morning, Ellie Kate comes confessing two, thin two things. First, she confesses her sin. She acknowledges that she was conceived in it, and without Christ, she has no hope of overcoming it. And because of her sin, she is subject to death, the wrath of God, and the eternal curse of the law. But through faith in the work of Christ, through what he merited for us, Ellie Kate, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are his. The second thing Ellie Kate is confessing this morning is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not just her Lord, but that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. She has responded to the word of God and he has enabled her heart to praise the name of Jesus. Ellie Kate, you have truly received grace through faith. As Christians, we are all made children of Abraham through faith in Christ. And as I just read, we are now new creations. 
Baptized infant and adult alike have the same obligation to follow after Christ with all of their heart. And his promise is that he will not leave us. Ellie Kate, you will find yourself struggling with sin. Sometimes you will find yourself in a place where you don't know how to find your way out. Remember your baptism, that God is with you, that God has saved you, and you run back to him. This water is not magical. There is no power in it in itself, but it is a sign through which God works by his spirit that everything he has promised becomes effectual. It is a means of grace. This is a visible promise of God to his people. So I remind you, Christ Presbyterian Church, when you struggle with your sin, remember your baptism and run back to Jesus. This is his covenant sign to you that you are his and he will never leave you. We receive passively something that none of us deserve, the free grace of God in Jesus Christ. So I ask all the elders now to come forward. Come on, Ellie Kate. I think it's warm. I don't know. I haven't tested it yet. Oh, yeah, we're good. Ellie Kate, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure, and without hope except by his sovereign mercy? You don't have to say, sir. Yes, it's fine. (laughs) Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he has offered in the gospel? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? Do you now promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? Do you submit yourselves to the grace of the go- to the government of the discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace? Yes, sir. Let us pray together. Almighty and eternal Father, who according to your holy judgment punished those who didn't believe, but through faith you have saved us from our sins. By your Holy Spirit, may we be buried with him in his death and raised to walk in newness of life. May you help us to follow you daily, bearing our cross with a firm hope and a true faith and in covenant love. Father, and one day we will stand before your judgment seat and Christ will say, they are mine, my good and faithful servant. Until that day, may we be found praising you for your steadfast love that endures forever and your faithfulness continues to all generations. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up right here. Ellie Kate, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All of his blessings are yours. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, we come before you just overwhelmed by your mercy and your grace. Father, restore us today through your word, through your promises, through Christ himself. Ensure your grace upon our souls that we might never forget who we are. We are your people. Father, I pray for for your blessing upon us at Christ Presbyterian Church. I pray for your hand of healing to come on Cynthia Jaqua and Bill Moore and Bill Ferris, Miss Karen Anderson, for John Reagan's mother. Father, act supernaturally on their behalf. Act through the the means given to us through doctors and medicines. Lord, restore them physically. For they are your image, created in your likeness. Father, I pray for anyone who is suffering sickness, from illnesses. From physical, emotional, spiritual hurt. Lord, you are the great physician, but you are the great comforter. Father, draw near to your people. Father, I pray for your hand of protection over Suzanne Wiggins. Lord, bless her pregnancy. Father, I thank you for Mike and Becky Atkinson and for J.M. Lord, we celebrate this morning as J.M. is here with us that you have worked and that you have healed him. We pray for his recovery as his body adjusts. Lord, Lord, restore him. Not just to old J.M., but to new J.M. Give him strength. Give him wisdom. Go before him, leading him. That he might be faithful in all that he does. Father, I thank you for Nick and Bonnie and Billy and Ruthie Bingenheimer. Lord, what an incredible blessing they are unto this church. The way they serve. The way they love. The way they're loud. Father, we pray that you continue to provide for them. Lord, protect Billy and Ruthie. Give them a strong and vibrant faith. May they never know a day where they don't know Jesus as their king. And may they never be afraid to run to him. Father, I thank you for Rhonda Boswell and for Caleb. Lord, bless this family. We pray for guidance for Caleb. Give him wisdom on how you can use him for your good and glory and for the good of the people around him. 
Father, may we as a church, from every member, from every officer, may we be a light in this community where you have placed us of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. None of us are here because we deserve anything. We are here by your sheer mercy and grace. Father, may we be a people that extend that mercy and grace to everyone that we meet. Father, we pray for our presbytery, for all the different churches this morning. May your word be faithfully preached. May sinners be called to repentance. And may your people be assured of their salvation. Father, we pray for our president and for our vice president and for all of our leaders. Lord, give them wisdom. Put people, men and women around them, that will give them godly, biblical wisdom who have the fear of the Lord in their hearts. Father, we lift up Alan and Anne Cochet as they return back to France. Lord, bless the work of their hands. Father, keep them from the evil one. Lord, may they continue to plant the seed and may you make that seed grow in the hearts of the people of France and Italy. Father, be with us. Be near to us. And now we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to teach me to worship. And as has become our custom, if you're able and willing, will you please stand in honor of the reading of God's holy and infallible word. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, according to God's grace given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. And as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given." to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light 
for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly places. This was according to his eternal purpose that he that has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And then there were none by Agatha Christie. Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. The Deep Sleep by Raymond Chandler. I'm not sure if any of these make your top five or top three of the best mystery novels of all time. But this is what's extraordinary and captivating about a good mystery. They grab our attention. They hold on to our curiosity. Sometimes in a mystery, we even hold our breath without even knowing it. We are excited by the chase. And it even doesn't have to be a mystery novel or a movie. Any good novel can do this. As a story draws us in and it holds us with anticipation of what's about to happen next. We always want to find out a little bit more. We want one more clue, one more detail that will eventually lead to the climax of the story. Who was it? This morning... Paul speaks of a mystery. He speaks of the mystery of God. And sometimes, however, we speak of the mystery of God. We speak of something that cannot be known. We spoke about this in Sunday school this, this morning. This great mystery, the Christian faith. God's divine sovereignty and man's responsibility. We spoke of a great mystery last week when we talked about the Holy Trinity, three and one, one and three. And honestly, they are mysteries because we can never fully grasp what they mean. But this morning, Paul speaks of another great mystery. Not a mystery that we cannot know, but a mystery that has actually been known because it was not known before. Paul speaks of the mystery of Christ. This is what he says in verse 3. The mystery was made known. It was revealed. And what has been revealed is what I want us to see this morning. And what Paul wants the church of Ephesus to hear. This mystery that was not known has been made known. And it's the plan of God that we might proclaim the mystery to all nations. I really only have one main point this morning and then have one application at the end. So don't, you don't have to hold on waiting for me to get to the last two in the last three minutes. The plan of the mystery of God. Paul says, for this reason, pointing back to chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he stops. Most English translations have a little dash there. I think the King James is the only one it, it just had a, that didn't, and it just has a comma. This is what grammarians call 
I'm not even going to pronounce it. Basically, it's a grammatical sequence that the sentence is suddenly abrupted. It's interrupted. Paul digresses into something. Paul mentions that he is an apostle called to proclaim the excellencies of Christ to the Gentiles, and then all of a sudden he stops his thought. He breaks from what he's about to say, and as we will see next week, he picks back up a little bit in verse 14, but really he doesn't pick back up to what he's about to say here until chapter 4, verse 1. But Paul believed that it was so important, he couldn't finish a sentence without expressing what the mystery of Christ was. And because we believe in the inspiration and the inerrancy of Scripture, we believe that it was the Holy Spirit break-checking Paul. He says, Paul, you, you can't forget to remind the church of this great truth. Make sure you remind them of this. And he breaks and says, assuming that you heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Paul was called out of his apostasy to serve the Gentiles. To give his life, to give everything he was about for them. Jesus intervened in his life for the sake of their lives, that they might know the mystery of Christ. And what is the mystery of Christ? The mystery of Christ was that which was not known to the sons of men in other generations. This mystery was something that was not known to the people of God in the Old Testament. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. Concerning the salvation, the gospel, the prophets who prophesied about this grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. What is this mystery of Christ? Well, he tells us in verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What is the mystery of Christ? It's the gospel. It's that in Christ, God has donned a new world. He has recreated a people by his spirit in which through faith in him, he's uniting people together. Paul has just said in Ephesians chapter 2 that this new age has come in Christ, where God's redemption now includes and incorporates all nations. Remember going through Micah chapter 3, I was really excited about this. This message that at some point, God would build his temple and draw the nations to himself. That Christ is making a new humanity through himself by the pouring out of his blood upon the cross and forgiving people of their sins. The new age that has come is the new age through which the gospel proclaims. We are forgiven of our sins only because of Jesus Christ. Through faith, 
just as our father Abraham, through faith, had hope in the promises of God, we receive those same promises. That what God told Abraham in Genesis 17, 7, that he will establish a covenant between him and his offspring and their generations for an everlasting covenant, that promise is true for all people in Christ. If we go back in Ephesians, we hear about this great mystery. In chapter 1, Paul says that in Christ, God, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as the plan of the fullness of time. But yet, notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say that he's incorporating Christians into the nation of Israel. He's not joining Gentiles to Jews. He's incorporating and and joining Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles, all who have faith into Christ Jesus. In Christ, he is making a new humanity, a new man, a true Israel, because Jesus Christ is the true Israel. Jesus Christ was the one that entered into the desert and was tempted and yet did not sin. Jesus Christ was the true Son of God who did the will of the Father. The mystery, this mystery of God's eternal plan and purpose of all of redemption, which we've been preparing for since Genesis chapter 3.15, the fullness of time came in Christ Jesus. It was his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation. This is the gospel. This is the mystery of God. He would redeem sinners from their sin. Not because of anything they have done, but by his benevolent grace. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Now, I might be one of the oddest Reformed Presbyterians you might ever meet. Man, not one laugh. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Apparently, you guys don't think that way. Great, great. I say that because when I hear, when I read about how God's unfolding plan of redemption played out, I automatically think of the book of Romans. Now, most Reformed Presbyterian ministers will tell you that Romans is this great book of systematic theology. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Romans doesn't teach great truths of the Bible. It does do that. I'm not saying that Romans, you can't find great themes of redemption. It does say that. But when I think of this unfolding mystery of God's benevolent grace, I think of the book of Romans. Think about how Romans is laid out. In chapter 1, you hear of what the gospel is. And then in chapters 1 to 3, you hear of God's great judgment against sin. And at the end of chapter 3, you hear of the believer's justification that is only found through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in Abraham's faith, all are made partakers of those great promises. 
And then we get to Romans chapters 6 through 8, which is all about those being united to Christ in faith. All have been baptized with him in his death and raised to walk to newness of life. Those are the words that I quoted this morning at the baptism. That no one is saved by works of the law. No Gentiles, no Jews, and all have become heirs with Christ through the Spirit of God. And one day we all will attain glory. That's Romans chapter 5 through chapter 9. And then he speaks about the remnant of God. The true remnant of both Israel and Gentiles being chosen by grace, being united to faith. But, and listen to how Paul ends the book. In his benediction in Romans chapter 16, this is what he says. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. The book of Revelation is Paul looking back at how God progressively revealed himself to all people and is drawing in the nations by faith in Christ. It's all about the unfolding mystery of Christ, God including all nations to receive the promises that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. The promises that he gave to Daniel. And not only does the book of Romans reveal this great mystery, but this is actually the story of all of the scriptures. From Genesis 1 and 2 to Genesis 3:15 to Genesis 12, 15, 17, Exodus 3, 19, 20, 21 through 24, the book of Leviticus, the book of Deuteronomy, Judges, Joshua, the historical books, 1st and 2nd Samuel, the prophets. It's all revealing how God is moving all of history to be united to Christ by faith. And this is his great grace. Through it all, God is revealing not only who he is, but what he has done for sinners like you and me. This was according to his eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what he says in verse 11. All who have faith are united to the resurrected Messiah and are being built together to be the dwelling place of God the Holy Spirit. This is the story of all of Scripture. This is the great mystery of the gospel. But God has taken people like me and united me to his one and only son who loves us and gave himself for us and that he has made us new. You are no longer slaves to your past life. You are no longer slaves to your sin. You have God the Spirit living inside of you, drawing you to Christ. Through his blood, you have received forgiveness for all of your sin. There is nothing that you can do that will cause him to cast you out. 
That is the work of God in Christ. This is the great mystery that has now been revealed through the Son of God. This is the gospel. You know what makes you deserve it? Nothing. You know what makes it acceptable for you? Jesus. Our only hope of salvation. Everyone, through faith, is incorporated into Christ and receive all of the promises of the Messiah, the King of all things, who is redeeming all things because he is good and he is loving. This is the plan of the mystery of God that was revealed in the fullness of time. But also look, look at what Paul says. He says that this This great mystery must be proclaimed in in verse 9. To bring the light for everyone, which is the plan of the mystery, hidden for all ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to his eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Did you hear that? We have been given boldness and confidence that this is the gospel. And we have been called to faithfulness. To make known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places, to all people that are, to everything that's in creation, to people we meet, even to the devil himself, we have been given boldness and confidence that the blood of Christ is enough for us. This is the gospel of Jesus that Christ has come, that Christ has died, that Christ rose for us in glory. From eternal past, this was the plan that God set in motion to redeem us from our sins, that we might walk in newness of life. And God has set his face upon you eternally. And he says, you are mine. What a great hope. May this mystery grasp our attention. May it draw us near. May it envelop our entire being. May this gospel be the gospel that drives everything that we do because this is the grace of God which has been given to you through Christ Jesus. This is the plan of the Father. This is what we have heard. This is what we are called to believe through faith. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, as as I say these words, so often I wonder, how do I know if I've done enough? And my own words betray me. Because it is by the blood of Christ that we come. Father, nourish us with your sacrament. Call us to faithfulness 
for your glory and for the good of people of Fayette County and for the good of the world. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. If you will please stand.